Benfica Podcast is one of the founding members of Benfica Independent. Benfica Independent is an independent platform made by fans for fans. And in it, you can find our podcast, along with many other podcasts, along with articles of opinion, video segments, and much, much more. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent with exclusive contents for our patrons. Hasta que no estás aquí dentro no sabes la grandeza de, de este equipo. Sí, es un club que tiene una grandeza que no se comprende si no estás aquí dentro. Son de una magia única, benfiquista. Son nos sentimos así. Por muchos desgustos que podamos tener, valores más altos se levantan. O valor mais alto que se levanta em termos futebolísticos chama-se Benfica. Quero o Benfica intimidar o adversário. Quero o um manto sagrado entrar com vocês em qualquer estado. E estamos, pá! É isso que eu quero! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Bifiga podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasic, coming to you every Tuesday night with the latest in Bifiga land. Episode number 454 is what we're up to. With me tonight, as always, Dave D'Alevera. Dave, what's happening, my brother? What's good, Alfredo? Great to be back on. We uh, had uh, we weren't here uh, last week, but uh, great to be back this week. A little time off uh doesn't do any harm, so uh, great to be back uh, with yourself and uh, the Freddies in the chat as well. Yeah, that's right. Also with us, Timo. <laughs> oh, a man also, that needs the, no introduction. A man that he, also the man known as the Jager, the Jägermeister Master. <laughs> I haven't been called that one before, but I like that. What's going on, Jager everyone? King. I was uh, all, all day I thought about this. <laughs> uh, our, our little trip to uh, New Jersey where we killed, uh, what, four and a half or five bottles? Yeah. Uh, that was fun. But you're, you're, you're very famed in terms of the Jägermeister because you go to Portugal and you're, you're, having, you're, you're having that Jäger bottle there also. Uh, we got to thank uh, Jean Garrido for that one. He's the one who brought that the last time. So he, uh, he shared with everyone, especially me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's nice having you here. Cristiano is uh, is off tonight. He's off. He's on. I don't know where he is. Vacation somewhere. International duty. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's uh, he's in Braga trying to negotiate Ricardo Horta. That's why it's not getting done. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Dave, I like that jersey, man. I like it. Nice. It's nice. I've never seen nice that classic. jersey. Is that a new? Is that a new acquisition? Uh, no, I've had it for a couple of years now, but decided. Uh, we're here for uh, tonight's pod. Awesome, awesome. So on tonight's podcast, uh, I know we were off uh, last week, uh, so we'll touch up uh, real quick on on Aroca and Midgetland, uh, and then we will discuss Kazapi and look ahead to Dinam Kiev. That's what's on the menu for tonight. But before we get going, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the departure of uh, of Shalana. 
uh, a player that uh, perhaps not a lot of you had the chance to watch. I was fortunate enough to uh, to to be able to, to watch him live, and and he was he was quite a player. He was everything that people uh, all the words that you've heard about Shalana and and all the skills and, and the class and the technique and uh, he was he was all of that live, man. Uh, and I vividly remember uh, watching uh, the Euro of '84 Euro. Uh, in a in a living room with with my father and, and getting excited about what Portugal was almost accomplished uh, against uh, France uh, and certainly I think that one of the most entertainment entertaining players of that Euro Cup was Shalana. Um After that, he kind of he, not he kind of he, he left. He was uh, he left for Bordeaux. Um, there was always a lot of things with Shalan and, and Anabola, which was his wife at, at the time. And uh, some people said that he got mixed up with the with the wrong woman and it was, she was controlling his life. But uh, look, I think those are all afterthoughts. What you want to remember Shalana by not only as a player, but how much he's meant to uh, to Seychelles and to the academy, uh, how big of a part he's been at the club. Uh, also stepping in uh, in the interim uh, after we let go of uh, certain coaches, uh, but in terms of where he, where he's made the, his his biggest his biggest mark has to be at the Seychelles. Uh, with uh, you know we saw the tributes from from Bernard Silva, you saw the tributes from from Jota, and certainly uh, guys that don't forget Shalana because I think that Shalana with the with the personality that he had, he was a little bit of, of an introvert. He wasn't a flashy guy. He wasn't a guy that, that looked for the cameras. Uh, and I think that, that, that there's a lot about about that, about Shalana, uh, in terms of talking to kids and, and, and putting ki encouraging kids and putting kids in the right state of mind. Uh, because uh, I'm sure being an introvert, it's not always easy for you to, to stand out. Uh, and for you to be recognized, and, and I think that uh, people that are, are like that need to need to be confident. They need to be sure of themselves. They need to have good self-esteem. And I think that that was one of the biggest things that, as I'm watching these tributes and, and these kids, I think Bernardo says something, uh, and I don't know if Jota said the same thing. That at a time when I was down, he came and and, and talked to me and, and told me to to believe in myself and. Uh, and certainly he was uh, very impactful in, in my career. And if it wasn't for him, uh, who knows what have, would have happened in my path. Uh, so, uh, But we've seen a lot of those things, man. And, and even guys that are my age, uh, I know that uh, Pedro Ribeiro from, from Comercial had some nice words to say, João Gonçalves also. All of those guys are basically my age and, and that generation. And certainly that was the, the one guy as we were growing up that uh, that, that was the guy the guy um timo i don't know if you ever had a chance to to watch him i know that dave was a little little baby or he wasn't even born back then uh but but certainly you know you, you would have heard about your father and, and your relatives talking about shalena like he was this this godly figure certainly sure um i'm a little younger than you yet um i i vaguely remember some of it i was still pretty young too But um, I, I've seen videos, obviously, and seen what he was capable of. But uh, the person who I spoke with um, after his passing, that like we were actually talking about him before his passing, like maybe a couple of days before. And then afterwards, when I uh, got to my father-in-law's, which most people know, my father-in-law is a protista, um, 
as soon as I saw him, like, hey, we were just talking about him and he passed away this morning. And just the stories he would say, he would say um, about how good of a player he was, how impactful he was in the game. And, you know, just how creative, like an actual genius or a magician with the ball. Um, so it, it's it, it's interesting. And obviously, you know, you have to be proud to hear opposition or Krivaj talk about how good of a man he was and player. So, yeah, certainly. Uh, and I think uh, I think that that Benfica did, did the right thing. Uh, I think that after Eusebio, He's right up there, uh, and, mm-hmm. and probably top three of uh, the most important guys in, in Befica's history in terms of players and, and, and the level of skill. So I think they did the right thing. I think that uh, um, that whole thing in a stadium is just a shame that there wasn't more people there. But certainly, you know, it's in the middle of the, the summer, a weekday, uh-huh. uh, so it, it was always going to be hard. But I, I certainly liked what what Befica did in terms of. Uh, the tribute that they did with the videos, the whole thing with the stadium, um, it, it was just, it, it was really nice. It was really nice to see, and 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 certainly, uh, you will be missed. You definitely be missed. Um, anyway, so rest in peace, uh, Shalana, and, and and certainly uh, he's he's got a lot of good company up there, and uh, Eusebio and Coluna and Jose Aguas and Torres and. There's a lot of guys up there that uh, certainly we hope that they watch after Benfica and they pull for for Benfica this season because we need it. We need it. Anyway, um, as I mentioned, uh, Aroca uh, and Midgeland. Um, Aroca was the first game of the season. Uh, Benfica beat Aroca 4-0. Gilberto getting on a, on a score sheet uh, rather early. Uh, then by uh, by the halftime we were up three nothing with another goal from from Enzo, uh, nothing just the, the continuation of what we've been seeing in terms of uh, the the good quality football that the team has been playing smothering uh, high volume in terms of offense uh, good touches around good good dynamics it was good it's good to to have the team back at uh, back at Stadulusion playing an official game for the league Dave you still remember that game. Or Ooh, I gotta go. I gotta go back. But yeah, it was it was a game that we controlled and dominated for the uh, for the most part. Uh, there we got the uh, the result. What was that? Four four nothing, wasn't it? Four nothing. Yeah. Four mm-hmm. nothing with uh, the three goals in the first half there. And um, yeah, for a team, it, uh, one of the stats when I was doing uh, some uh, recap for this game, it's now nine straight season that Benfica has gone with winning their opening a game. We yeah. want to. Stretch there where we couldn't win. We I think we went almost like five or six years without winning, uh, or not getting the win on the first uh, game of the season there. But uh, now nine years in a row that uh, we've uh, got the uh, win to open up the season. Yeah, no, I I remember there was pods that we would open up with Timo in the first of the season. It's like, well, we would look back at what Benfica's record had been for the first game, and it was never good. But it seems that uh, for these past uh, nine nine seasons, that's been a really good record for us. Definitely. Um, and this game was no different. Um, you know, it was like, like Dave said, we dominated. Um, even before the red card, Benfica was just smothering them all over them. Uh, didn't give Oroca any chance to do anything, really. Um, maybe had one shot in the whole first half, if that, that I recall. I mean, it's been, been a little while now, but um, it's good to see that we're continuing what we did in the preseason and, um, 
you know, not discussing the, the games that have happened after this, but to continue without giving up any goals and playing pretty well defensively as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. So a good win to start the season, and, and obviously 4 nothing is an emphatic result. Uh, and then we had Mitchland. Uh, we traveled over to Denmark to play Mitchland already with, the, with a nice aggregate to our name. What was it 4-1 mm. we took in there? Yeah, 4-1. Four four one. One. We took to Mitchland, and, and right off the bat, I mean, we were controlling. Uh, I think that uh, the team didn't really need to do much. Enzo getting on a on a score on a score sheet um, early on, and then Rouju with the with the two nothing um, in a second. With half. the header, there a nice uh, nice yeah. head header on the yeah. in the set piece. It was nice. It was nice. But look, uh, you know, it's uh, all normal. All normal for Benfica, a team of uh, a team of Benfica's caliber is supposed to be um, to be winning these games easily, uh, especially at this stage uh, playing against these teams of of, of lesser known uh, divisions. But but certainly uh, it, it's always good when the team can give continuation to what they've been doing and how they've been how they've been playing. So I I really uh, enjoy that and. Uh, uh, Timo, what do you what do you make of the fact that we take a, an aggregate of four one into Denmark and basically the the lineup is is basically the same for the second? What, what do you think that it's something that early on he's trying to give a more as much as many reps as possible to to guys in order for us to get to the Champions League at a good level? Yeah, I would say so. Uh... Um, I think making the uh, group stages uh, priority number one at the moment. Um, we obviously know that for Benfica, that means a lot of money, money that we need. Um, so I, he only made what once one switch, which was Neres, who was hurt, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for Chiquinho. I mean, for Chiquinho. Okay. So there's really no reason to uh, to make any changes. I mean, nobody looks tired. I think. Uh, Schmidt is doing pretty well with subbing guys out and getting them some rest and getting other guys in. Like Schwamari doesn't finish the game all the time. Um, he's good at keeping track of fouls and taking guys out as they need. Um, so I think for the time being, uh, I say roll with the punches and go with who we have um, right now and who's you know whoever's our better lineup or best lineup. Uh, the one thing that I've taken away from a lot of these games so far is the volume of passes that Benfica has made in games which to me doesn't seem uh, that that's something we're used to over the last couple of years where we struggle to string passes along you know the first game was what 700 and some passes i think one of these yeah. games against uh Mitchelland was uh, almost 700 or around that mark as well it, it's just impressive the volume of touches that we're getting on these you know uh, on the ball in these games right now it's i just hope we can keep up with uh, with that type of pressure and that type of volume, and um, hopefully not get too tired, but no, I'm not not worried yet. Still yeah. Too early. Yeah, and look, I I think that uh, you know the days day and age they that there's there's a certain measure that the name escapes me now that you know you, you can measure certain chemical in your blood that will tell. Uh, Benfica Lab or the people at Benfica Lab, <laughs> uh, whether what what those levels are, and, and by looking at those levels, you could tell whether a player is uh, at a fatigued good level or fatigued. Uh, so certainly, uh, I like all the passing, but more than that is the quickness in which they move the ball. So 
we saw passes side to uh-huh. side, just side to side, side to side with with JJ. But it's just like it's pinging passes, boom, 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 vertical passes, long passes, finding guys, you know, creating mismatches in certain uh, uh, certain areas of the field. All of that is really it's been really really good for for Benfica. And so um, we move on to to the next round to the playoff in which we'll 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 meet uh, Dinamo Kiev from from the Ukraine. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about this uh, Kazapia game. Uh, that happened uh, just this uh, past weekend, this Saturday. Um, Dave, do you do you know uh, when the last time Casapia was in uh, in the first division? How many Ooh, years I, ago? I think I saw. Was it nineteen twenty three? It was eighty three years. I don't know what the math <laughs> what the math is, <laughs> but it's eighty three years ago. So maybe nineteen twenty one, nineteen twenty. No, no, that'd be that'd 100. Be 100. Years, <laughs> Everybody knows that my math skills aren't the best. Was that so somewhere in around the 40s. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 83 years since Casapia, and and for you guys that uh, that know the history of Casapia, Casapia is um, is is an historic institution uh, in Portugal uh, that basically is a, was born out of uh, an orphanage. Right, uh, and some of the guys that that founded Benfica were, in fact, uh, orphans that came out of Casapia. If you guys didn't know that, uh, but yeah, it's and I know that lately or, or more recently, Casapia has been associated with with some of more negative things. Obviously, if if you if you've been following the news, you know, in the past ten years or so, but but certainly uh, it, it's good to see uh, Casapia. Not only that, but also. Uh, a team that's uh, in in the Lisbon area. Uh, there's so many teams in the Lisbon area, and the guys from Bifica FM were were talking about this that we need more more teams from from the south because it seems that every team that's in the Portuguese league is up north. So, uh, I'll give you the lineup, but we'll get into it. Vlacodimos, Gilberto, Atamendi, Murato, and Grimaldo, Enzo, Antino, Gonçalves, João Mario. Rafa and Ramos. Uh, Gonçalves coming in for Neres. Neres hasn't played in, what, three three games? He hasn't played? So, that would have been his second game. I think he played the... Um, what was the last? He played Aruca. He played oh, Aruca. He only missed the last game against yeah, uh, yeah. Michelin's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he's, he's such an important part of this 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 team that it just feels like uh, he's been uh, he's been away forever. Mm-hmm. He's been away forever. Dave, what did you think of the game, man? Casapia uh, playing in a very low block. Five in the back, very deep. Uh, it looks like this is we're going to face a lot of teams that are going to set up like this. Yeah, this is what uh, the Portuguese league has to offer. At least, uh, like we've mentioned, you might uh, see three, four, five, maybe teams come in, uh, bring it to us. But for the majority, this is what the smaller clubs are going to uh, bring uh, as their defense. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see over the the course of the season how um, Schmidt's um, Schmidt's Schmidtball, if we want to call it, how that's going to work against these smaller clubs. Um, I think off air here we were speaking how um, um, we we controlled the game. I think the one nothing scoreline um, shows that it was could have been a little bit tighter um, than it was, but I think we were sloppy in in. And finishing and, and getting some more goals on uh, on the score sheet, but um, ultimately 
Um, we get the uh, Ramos goal there in the second half in the 58th, uh, 58th minute. And if you want to talk about sloppiness, that was a, a cluster of uh, a goal. But hey, they all uh, they all count the same on the uh, score sheets. So uh, we got the uh, the goal there and ultimately got the uh, the three points as well. Yeah, and, and Timu, you and I were, were talking about the, the first half, and and, and uh, I felt that maybe the team not underestimated Casapia, but per- perhaps they thought that okay, well, we've been playing well, let's just continue playing the way we have been, and it will come to us. Uh, but you, I noticed early on there wasn't a sense of urgency. There was a lot of combinations trying to get into the box and they couldn't get up into the box they wouldn't shoot the ball it was just something that it, w- it was really hard to get through and then we weren't doing anything to get better yeah so it looked like we were trying to go quite often through the middle as well um but Kazapia would just collapse whoever whoever had the ball so i know i noticed many times you had Juan Mario and Rafa trying to ping the ball back and forth to each other, but they couldn't do anything because as soon as the ball got to them, they already had three uh, opposing players on their backs. Um, I, I think Benfica did try to go out wide sometimes as well, but again, every time the ball was out wide, two players were on top of Grimaldo, two pe- uh, players were on top of Gonçalves or Gilberto. You know, So it, Benfica had no way of getting around it other than with a little bit of luck. Um, to touch upon an earlier comment about some of the passing, and the speed and effectiveness of some of them. One thing I've noticed that I'm actually very um, keen on is Tinu. He's much quicker with the decision-making. Um, his passes seem to be a little bit more crisper than they have been in the past, even though I still think he needs a little bit more pace when he's trying to go for one of those long balls. Yeah, there was a couple of passes that he made that could have possibly led to counterattacks, but luckily didn't. They made it to their destination. But... Um, yeah, I think you're right and spot on that first half Benfica, which is kind of like, you know, let's see if we can get through. If we can, we can. If we can't, we can't. They never seemed worried about it. Yeah, I think that um, after a while, and I think they go into the locker room, and I think that, and look, I'm, we talked about, we talk about all the time about different halves, and when you go to the locker room, what happens to the locker room that the team always comes out and they're they're sleeping, but they've, uh, and 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 Roger Smith is something that he said uh, after the game that it was too stuffed up in the middle, so we decided to go wide. He puts in Ba, uh, and he felt that uh, Gilberto wasn't really having a good game. He puts in Ba, and right away Benfica starts p- playing a lot more wide. Uh, ba has a couple incursions in which Benfica now all of a sudden is getting behind the defense, and I think that now all of a sudden. Something sparked in in Rafa, and Rafa was on. Yeah, I, Rafa I was like, wearing a right too. Yeah, for most, I, most of the second half. I like what what brought by, brought to this uh, this side here in the the second half, um, especially going forward. A little bit uh, shaky defensively. I know he had that one play there where he got uh, beat there in the uh, the second half, but um, I, I like that sub. Gilberto uh, really wasn't offering anything. Um, in the uh, the first half, so go with the guy with the uh, the fresh legs, uh, with with Ba. One uh, one thing that um, you really notice in this game is, and I know uh, we I don't know I think Chris has said it uh, here in the past, but our bench is very thin. If uh, things yeah. aren't going our, our way, um, we really have slim pickings to choose from uh, on the bench there. So 
I know we've got a couple of more weeks here with the uh, the market before it closes, but uh, I think that's something that we really got to address here um, going forward. Because if we lose one of these uh, these guys here from our starting eleven, um, we really have no options to uh, to plug in there or, or no uh, suitable replacements. Yeah, and and we felt it, right? We felt it uh, with Nerj being the the one unpredictable player or Zeke Librador as they call it in, in Portugal um, that can make a difference all of a sudden Rafa's playing in the middle and all all the spaces are closed off if, even with the combinations there's no there's no space to play into Rafa taking shots also in the second half which is seems to be another instruction from Roger, Roger Smith uh, to the players take shots guys are there take shots because if you take if if now all of a sudden you're a threat to shoot from the outside, now instead of guys just sitting in front of you and waiting for you to to make that combination pass to break them down, now guys need to step up to the ball, to to defend against that shot. And I I thought that was uh, that was very good. I thought that um, whatever was said and, and corrected at the half was was the right thing, uh, and I, it was completely different. Benfica more intensity, more dangerous. Um, as you mentioned, Timo Rafa on, on the wing uh, proved to be a lot more dangerous than, than in the middle. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I have to agree with you on, on that, uh, on your Timo, on your Timo, on your Tinu, uh, Florentino um, comment. And uh, I thought he was one of our uh, best players uh, on this, on this, on this game. Um, and I've said it here for you guys to, that follow the podcast, I think that Timo, uh, Timo, I keep saying Timo. I got to call him Florentino because that's that's messing me up. Uh, Florentino has, has really evolved uh, as as a player, and we often saw the, the, the lateral passes, the short passes, the safe passes, and maybe it has something to do with his confidence, right? Because if he's not confident in, or, or if his job is just, your job is just to destroy and hand the ball to somebody who's going to build, but now all of a sudden, hey, you got to build too. You just can't be destroying. You got to build too. So you see a lot of, you know, driven on the grass passes that that uh, Florentino is is doing that we hadn't seen before. So I'm I'm kind of encouraged by what we uh, we have seen from him so far. So, um, but uh, he was Diogo Reyes in the uh, the chat there um, also agreed that Tino was our best player, but. Joao Mario was easily yeah. our, our worst. Uh, my only his only knock with Schmidt is how he leaves Joao Mario on for the entire game. Where after sixty minutes, you could see that he was an absolute liability. Yeah, but but think about this. You know, think about what you just said, Dave. About what choices do we have on a bench, right? Exactly. And yeah, and we are we have been speaking about this in past in the past uh, couple podcasts, is saying this is very thin because we're watching a game, right? And all of a sudden, we're thinking. All right, who's who's on a bench that could come in and, and, and make a difference or, 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 or can provide some kind of variation? And you you're really thinking there's not many people on a bench that you come in that, that could provide a little bit of a spark. Uh, and I think look, you know, I, I know that uh, Cristiano hates Juan Mario. He, he wishes he, he wouldn't be playing for Benfica. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Juan Mario, but I, I know some of the things that he brings. He's not a complete player. Uh, or a complete to what we want him in the system, but certainly as a guy that's that's very that's intelligent that that keeps the ball well at times, uh, that understands the certain rhythms of the game. But it, it just 
and I read something on Twitter, and, and it, this sounded so true. Uh, it's like there's a lot of speed with the passes, pinging, passing, combining. And when the ball gets to João Mario's foot, it's just like it's almost like somebody put that in slow motion. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it just it just breaks up the flow of play when it gets there, and that's yeah. just the style. And I think that that's that's the thing that irritated the most irritated me the most about this past game was the fact that every time he got to João Mario, it just seemed like it killed the just, play. It killed it. He just yeah. killed it. He just killed it. Uh, yeah, but yeah the, he's. He's good late on. I mean, I, I know like towards the end of the game, again, the bench is thin. You have no one else. But at least when you have a guy like him who can control the ball and can control the game on its own, even though it's to his own tempo, that yeah. isn't conducive to scoring goals most of the time um, or at least leading the charge towards the opposition um, half or box, should I say. Um, but one thing with him is anytime it does go through him, it seems like he takes an extra second to think of what he wants to do. And yeah. by the time he ma- makes the decision, the play is already dead. It's too and, late. Yeah, his his teammates are way ahead of him, and he's got no lane to get the ball to him. Where if he just took the ball, even if he made a pass, hey, you know what, I'm going to shoot it over this way to the left. This guy's quick enough, he'll get to it. I'm going to move in behind him. He just doesn't have that in his head to even consider that. Um, it's almost as if he's uh, he's too afraid to lose the ball and give it away. Yeah, he's the type of guy that when you're winning three nothing, you put in the midfield to hold the ball. Throw him in there. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Sgurai, sgurai. <laughs> You'd be great off the bench. Yeah, but look, uh, I think that uh, couple couple dubious calls here uh, that Otamendi, Timo, and I were were talking about before. Um, I don't know, man. I, I've watched replays. Um, and I've seen, I saw a replay on Twitter in which the defender wraps up Otamendi and then he, he like turns him. Yeah. And it didn't even, Otamendi's on top of him. But the defender kind of uses that. It's almost like, I don't know if you remember, it was uh, um, Ramos, the, the, the center uh, back for Real Madrid a couple of years back with, uh, was it Salah? Salah. Yeah. That he like did something with his arms and he really messed them up really bad and it's just yep. it reminded me of that play. He closed uh, his arm on uh, he closed Salah's arm in between his and his like his chest and he went yeah. down and pulled him down that way. Yeah, no, it was it was just like such a, yeah. a weird play and the fact that he already had gotten a yellow card at that point. I mean, what what are you supposed to do? Exactly. Uh, so it was it was tough. Uh, I thought that uh, there was a play where Vile came in with the studs up that he hit uh, the he player on the inside uh, of his knee. Hit. I thought he was lucky. That could have been reviewed and that could have gone to a red card. I just mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was it was uh, it was a fortunate play by Benfica. But look, at at the end of the day, I I don't care how you win. A win is a win, and you're gonna find a lot of teams that are gonna be playing in this setup. And it's a shame, right? Because the, the the Portuguese league is supposed to be a league that where where there's a lot of good players that come out and go on to better leagues. And and I know that Provence is trying to market the league, but uh, between all the time that's not played, that players spend on the ground, uh, refereeing refereeing calling every 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 ball, uh, and then teams that just basically park the bus the whole game uh i don't know if the portuguese league is a, is an attractive product if you have teams like that 
So the refer the refereeing is just subpar as well. Benfica had a couple of counterattacks um, after like not really counterattacks, but we stole the ball. I, I mean, I guess that is the definition. And um, th- we got fouled. I think Hamsh was taken down at one point, and the ref just blew the whistle right away. But the ball had gone to Hoff, and Hoff had a clear lane in front of him. Yeah. I remember that. that. There was two of those instances in this one game that that happened. It's like it it, it just pisses me off that for some teams they just let you know the, the criteria of officiating is different. It's like yeah. like these refs are just atrocious, awful. Yeah. Well, we had that uh, Enrico Rouge play too, where he, he kind of did a, ta- a taremi. Yeah. <laughs> he a did a taremi. Not a and pen. Uh, yeah, not a pen, but certainly if it's up north, maybe that gets called, man. That gets called. Dave, thoughts on this game so we can wrap this up? Uh, like I said, it was kind of a scrappy game. Um, but at the end, uh, I think you've uh, already hit the nail on the head here. This is what uh, we're going to have to come across with these smaller teams. And ultimately, um, this is what uh, you need. You need three points. And uh, at the end of the season, Hopefully we're we're here talking about a championship and we get these uh, these breaks uh, these championship yep. breaks to uh, to be crowned champions because uh, God knows we haven't been having uh, much luck with these breaks uh, last couple of seasons. Yeah, sometimes it's these uh, these points that make all the difference in the end, Timo. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'll hop on a little bit of what Dave just said about this game. Yeah, it was sloppy at times and. Uh, you know, we got the result that we needed, but I, I would like to see a little bit of um, uh, different tactics at times. Um, I'm no tactician by any means, but one thing that I was talking with somebody else about was, you know, Gonzalo Hamsh plays in, as a lone uh, forward up top or lone striker, but then as soon as we bring in Enrique Rouge or Yarmchuk, we go to a two-guy system every time. Um, is there a reason why we don't try out the two-guy system? Um, leave Hafa on the right or Neresh when he comes back and then Hafa on the left and ping some balls over the top at times. You know, it seems like this particular game, maybe we would have been better off having more bodies in the box than trying to get into the box up the middle. It's They were clogging on us and we couldn't yeah. do anything. So, like I said, I'm not a tactician or anything, but it just seemed like we could have used different a different style at times. But, you know, when you only have Gonsalt, Gonzalo Hamish there, it's it's not enough. And there's nobody else on the team that's got height. So what are you going to do in that, that situation, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think that uh, if there's something that uh, Roger Smith needs to be working on is is uh, trying to break down these, these guys that set up with uh, with five defenders and then two, two banks of, uh, of four guys in, in front. And it's just, it's just going to be hard, man. Yeah. Uh, let me say another now, do you thing. Think, do you think yeah, that's right. where uh, Javi comes into play with somebody that has experience playing and now and uh, his his time playing in this league? Do you think that's where where Roger Schmidt is going to pick his brain to see where they can uh, possibly come up with some some tactics? Or you would have yeah. thought that he could have seen some of these these smaller clubs in he, in Germany or as well. Could, yeah, also they, could also be they don't have Neres who. Is probably our best crosser of the ball. Yeah. You know, if we if we have him there, then you know maybe we have better balls being whipped in. Um, not that Grimaldo wasn't capable, but I mean he doesn't have. You know, Grimaldo's got to go to his left. He can't come in and throw an in swinger on his right yeah. foot. Where Neres does have his left foot and comes in and hits that really well. 
you know, which sometimes is a little bit more of a, a pain in the ass of the, the defenders to, uh, to do something with. Yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that, uh, that Pifia could have done, um, in this game, uh, a little better. Uh, but, uh, you, you need to be ready for these teams because that's how they're going to, uh, they're going to come at you. Uh, another thing that I wanted to say, I mean, they played in Liria. I mean, I know that they picked a, a few places that, uh, they could have been playing on, but they went to Liria and, and the pitch didn't look all that great. And I know that, uh, Roger Smith also complained about it. And, uh, certainly for, for players that like the ball on the ground and passing around and combining, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the best pitch. Um, and we also found out that now uh, Casapia has to play Sporting and Porto uh, in Leiria, even after their uh, stadium is uh, is completed, because uh, they want the fairness aspect of it, I guess. The Portuguese league all of a sudden is being fair. They want to make money. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and look, it's I think it's great for for a club like Casapia that they get to bring in the, those gate receipts. I think it's it's great. It helps them out a lot. The fact that they have to play against Sporting and Porto and Leiria, and instead of getting whatever their stadium's capacity is, which can't be that much, uh, and now you're getting 20, 25,000 people, uh, I think that's great. I think that's great for them as, as, a, as a club that just made it to the, to the Primeira Liga. Do you think they benefited that it's August in Portugal and you've got a lot of people coming back to Portugal that they were able to fill that up? Because I'm seeing their schedule later on in the season, so they, they're going to have to host Porto in uh, in Janu- first week of January and Sporting first week of April. Do you think they had the same attendance for those games later on, or did we, they benefit it because of uh, the tourist season right now in Portugal? No, but I think that your Benfica is always going to be a big draw, regardless. Uh, but yes, the 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 tourists being in in Portugal and the immigrants being in in Portugal in the month of August is always going to help. Uh, God knows if I was there, I'd be at the game. Uh, and certainly, a lot of people think about that. And the fact that it was in Leiria, which is a place that's not too not too far down south that people from you know the the center and, and a little bit up north could, could still come down um i thought there was uh it was great but i think that what was it twenty five thousand? i want to say that uh in attendance i'm not sure but uh, i saw 22 yeah but here. mostly mostly befikistas obviously there was oh, a that little crowd was, that crowd was loud yeah they were loud Mm-hmm. About time they start utilizing that stadium too, one of the Euro stadiums, and it's been sitting empty. And not no disrespect to uh, uh, Ladies Club there, but they've been playing in third division, and that yeah, that's not a stadium for a third division club. No, they don't they don't play there. They don't play there because obviously. No, I thought they returned back. They went back. They're playing there now. I thought so. I think the last couple of yeah, years but for been a while they, they they oh they have been playing because for a while I don't think they were playing there because it took too much money to uh, yeah to yeah. maintain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think the stadium actually belongs to the to the city if I'm not mistaken the city of Lydia, Estadio Municipal if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, good win for Benfica. We move on. Um, we are taking a break now in in league play. We were actually I don't know how this happened. We were actually able to postpone this weekend's game, so we play uh, so we can concentrate on 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 Dinamo Kiev. Uh, so Benfica won't be playing the next game 
until uh, I don't I don't know when, but uh, I don't know when they rescheduled that for. But certainly they're now they're going to. Uh, it's uh, it's after the Bovista game. So this was the Pasuj game that you're talking about, right? Yeah. 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 So that's that's scheduled for the 30th of August. Yep. Um, so now we we do turn our attention to uh, to Dinam Kiev, uh, which is uh, our um, opponent that stands in our way of our group stages of the Champions League playoff. Uh, first game is in uh, Poland, uh, as you know, everything that's going on in the Ukraine. Uh, Dinamo has not is not competing domestically, obviously for you know for obvious obvious reasons, but uh, all the um, the, the, the competitive games that they've had have all been for the for the European um, Champions League um, qualifiers. They uh, they got past uh, uh, JJ's Fenerbahce. Uh, then they faced uh, Sturm Graz from Austria and they, they beat them. Uh, and now uh, they get to uh, face Benfica. Um, Timo, uh, let me ask you this. Obviously, with, with the situation with the Ukraine, there's always... Um, extra game uh, factors that play into this. Um, what do you what do you think in terms of what Benfica can expect uh, from this game? Um, if Benfica plays the way they've been playing um, against a team that's most likely not just going to sit back, um, I think Benfica is going to win fairly easy. I'll say three to one. It's my favorite scoreline. But um, <laughs> I. Depending on how big the crowd is, we might see or might hear um, quite a bit of support, obviously, for Ukraine behind them, uh, for Kiev behind them. So um, it, that might be a little bit intimidating, but then again, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't know with this uh, whole BS that's happening over in that region, uh, how much of uh, a contingent crowd they're going to have on their side. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they're going to have that much of their own support there. There's really no telling, right? Um, yeah. But I, 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 it's going to be an entertaining game for sure. Yeah. And yeah, look, uh, I they didn't have the easiest times against Sturmgras. You know, they mm -hmm. they just inched just inched that out. And even against Fenerbahce, it was close too. I think they won uh, the first game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then they um, they they went to penalty. They drew and then they won in extra time. That's what it is. Okay, so it wasn't and so it wasn't uh, really um, it wasn't really like a, a a clean win for them. So they they've been struggling and obviously for for a team that's been and players that that have been going through what they're they've been going through and. And not playing competitive games and not going through the routines of preseason and all of that. I mean that that all affects it, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm expecting uh, Benfica to come out of Kiev with uh, with a decent result, um, almost uh, closed out. If uh, I, and I'm with you, Timo. Uh, I think that uh, two nothing, two one for me. Dave, what do you think? I'm just looking at this uh, Dinamo team. They've got an all-Ukrainian squad here. So a lot of their foreign players, obviously, with the war going on, and you saw what happened with uh, Shakhtar, the same thing as well. A lot of their foreign players went elsewhere. So this is a pretty solely uh, European or European Euro Ukrainian squad that we're going to be uh, facing. 
Um, if this was in the winter time and we had to go to Ukraine, I'd be a little bit less confident because uh, we don't do uh, well in, in the cold weather there. But um, I, I'm feeling pretty confident this is uh, a team that we should be getting uh, past, even if it's uh, the away leg uh, first. Uh, I think we go uh, come out with the uh, a 2-1 result um, out of Poland. And then... Um, then we just finish it off in Lisbon as well. But historically, here are some stats um, against Dinamo Kiev. We've got four wins, one draw, one loss in our previous uh, six meetings. And we actually met them in last year's uh, group stages of the Champions League where we drew nil-nil uh, in Ukraine and then uh, finished off 2-0 uh, in uh, at the Estadio de Luz. So we've got some uh, experience uh, playing against these, this side here. Yeah, and Dinamo Kiev is is far from from being a team from years past where they had that Gazprom money behind them and uh, they were able to to pick up some players. I think that the year that we played them in the knockout stages, I want to say Timo, right after right after the knockout stages, I think we 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 played them. If I'm not no, mistaken. we've never we never played them in knockouts. I'm I'm looking at uh, zero zero here. It's all been group stage uh, ball. I think you're thinking about um, Zenit. Oh, Zenit. Yeah. In- yeah. 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 That's who I'm thinking about. Sorry. I was gonna say if uh, <laughs> if Kiev still has Gazprom money behind them, then you have a problem. <laughs> no, that's 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 who we, that's who it was. Zenit. No, no, no. It was I, Zenit. That's confusing the two. Uh, but yeah, look, I I think that uh, it should be easy for Benfica. Uh, but I, I still think that the team needs to approach this game with uh, very much focused and, and, and serious intent to resolve this because there's a lot of money on the on the table 40, 40 plus million 43 million I think it is uh, if we make it to the the group stages and we all know that all the problems that we've been talking about in terms of a thin bench and mm-hmm. guys that need to get resolved. Uh, Benfica is now taking a little bit of a break until they get this uh, resolved in terms of making it to the group stages because I think, and you've already heard me mention in, in past podcasts, playing in the group stages of, of the Champions League is always something that's going to attract uh, any player, especially mm-hmm. players that, that are on the fringe. Um, and we're also, what we're seeing too, we're seeing players that are, are now playing for, for or, or are on big teams and throughout the big leagues that are not being countered or, you know, they're 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 disposable uh, for those teams. And maybe Benfica can get one of these guys from, from a Barcelona or for, from an, any other team, but these guys will not come. From uh, Manchester United? I don't know if you want Manchester United uh, players. Let's <laughs> scratch that, Dave. Um, can I? But... Can I? Can I get the hair? <laughs> I don't know. Did you see the first blunder that I, he landed? I, I did, but you know what? I feel bad for the hair. His his defense is the worst thing defense. I've ever seen in my life. Terrible. So, yeah. I think uh, I think the hair has actually gone gone down since uh, since oh, he joined Manchester United, man. Uh, his first couple of years at United were were atrocious. Not. By his standards, but by the club, uh, yeah. he stood on his head way too many times. And yeah. I think he's just exhausted and just said, "Screw this." But yeah. it's enough United talk. Other than that, Elon Musk says he's going to buy him. Yeah, I just read God that. God bless him. I, I just I read would, that. I would love it. I'm all for it. Get the get the glazers yeah. out of there. 
Yeah, but uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, there's a lot of players out there that are on the fringe and, and are talking to their agents, but they, they would prefer to come and play for a champions uh, for a team that's playing in Champions League. Ask Ronaldo. Oh, <laughs> I was implying. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want Ronaldo, sorry. I don't want him for the simple fact of the headache. I'd have to deactivate Twitter because of Ole Lagarde. I would. Yeah. Oh my lord. No. Let's yeah. No. Uh, I I just think that uh, right now he's uh, he's more of a headache, as you mentioned, Timo, to to any team than he was. He's a help. Everybody knows that what Ronaldo. I think uh, we're likes. we're kind of piling up on the guy. The guy's still one of the greatest in, no in the game. No doubt. So I, I, I also don't he, know if I believe everything everybody is saying because none of it. You know, he, he today himself said he was going to come out and people. Yeah. He's going to give his, his side of the story. So who knows? I mean, yeah. it could be the same thing we see here in Portugal where it's uh, just to sell newspapers and such. But, so. Yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up at Sporting, oh. man. It would surprise me. It would surprise you? Yeah, I, I think Ronaldo goes to the MLS. But, uh, but, I think but he goes when, to is the MLS. The, when is the MLS window close? Do you know? I don't know. They, they have a, well, the season's done in November, right? So, like, then what does he do? Does he come back to Europe on a loan in January? No, so, he sits so at hot. home and does nothing. That's so hot. He does so nothing. Hot. He does nothing. That's you got to remember, hot. because at that point, if the season ends in November, then you have uh, the World Cup. You can play the World Cup, then you can take the rest of the winter and spring off. Yeah, that's such a that's such a, a weird situation, man. It it's such a weird situation. But it would, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up at Sporting. If he wants to play Champions League, and no other club really wants him, I very much doubt that Amorim wants him. But is he taking like an ownership stake in in Sporting? Because like, <laughs> frig, they can't afford him. Yeah, I I don't know. Hey, he's got so much money. I don't know if he needs uh, Sporting money. To be honest with you. Hey, he was offered 125 million a year from some Saudi club, and he said no. I mean, nah, we know we, we know he's got money. Yeah, he's he's not he's not going there. Maybe maybe we'll find him on the Live Golf Tour then uh, in <laughs> in January and February. He's yeah. playing in the MLS. That's yeah. Gareth Bale. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do we got? We got any questions from the Freddies? I forgot to say hello to the Freddies because I don't have the chat in front of me. Hello, Freddies. Uh... Who's going to be uh, in Otamendi's place for the next Portuguese league game? Uh, Vertonghen. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say I'm going to have to say Vertonghen. It might be Vertonghen by default, right? Is what's going on with uh, what's his name? Is it João Vitor? Is he still injured? Is, I, we yeah, got him I think injured uh, from he was. Right? Uh, I think he was scratched from the Champions League uh, roster, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I read that too. Just, that's just for the qualification stages. You yeah, can no, reset no, yeah, that for uh, absolutely, later absolutely. on. Yeah, yeah, but what uh, I I think that makes the most the most sense is to have uh, have Vertonghen have Vertonghen slide to the left and have Murat to play on the right. I guess. How long I, is uh, Verismo out? Isn't he supposed to be coming back soon, yeah, or is that still December? I, think I know he, that was kind of a timeline. I saw it like the beginning of the year, but I yeah. thought they scratched that too. He entered um, the final stages of re as rehab uh, earlier this month. Uh, okay. Also, I read that uh, that the, the CBF or CFB, whatever the the Brazilian national team, had sent some uh, some doctors to uh, to Portugal to examine him. 
so I think that if he wasn't going to be, if he's, if he wasn't at a stage where he would be healthy for the World Cup, I, I don't think that uh, that they would bother coming. Uh, so he must be getting really must be ready. He must be ready. I think that maybe early September, man. Maybe early September we should uh, start seeing him. Early to mid September, I think. I don't know. So let's. I don't follow his. I don't follow his wife, but I think. (laughs) I don't either. Hypothetically speaking, let's say he comes back, uh, makes a hundred percent, you know, full healthy return back to where he was uh, before he got injured. Uh, Who's the odd man out? That's so tough. It has to be him as a starter, right? I don't know. Uh, That's a big investment. Like I'm. So I, I'm big on Morato. I think Morato. I am done too. I, I yeah, like Morato's done is Morato's done enough now. You but know, by he's default, not, he's not fast. He's not quick, but he's pretty darn good at timing his tackles. Well, he gets in front of his opponent, pretty good to get his you know his foot on the ball and and steal it from them if you want want to say or deflect it away from them. Um, he's good in the air to win anything that's up there. He uses his body well. I find his passing to be pretty darn good. He he hit a few really good long through balls uh, in this Kazapia game, which, you know, threading the needle through like two or three defenders, it was pretty good in my book. Forward, not laterally. Um, so is he going to be the odd man out and your captain Otamendi stays in, you know? Yeah, but don't forget, João Vitor will probably be healthier than Verissim. I don't know anything about be, Jean be, Vitor, be, so be I don't want to. Yeah, look, I, I, I think about him. Ali, I think by default the young kid gets it. Yeah. The young kid gets the cut by default. I think. Yeah. Just because yeah. of you know with his his stature, his stature in terms of you know where he stands yeah. in the pecking order, uh, it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to uh, to have uh, Otamendi sit down, man. Just because it, of the experience, I, the leadership. I think the leadership, especially, but to have two young guys who have. You know, the potential to be a long-lasting partnership, assuming one doesn't get sold here or there, yeah. um, it's enticing. But yeah, yeah. No, I agree on I agree on the ultimate. Or do, or do we move to a three-man back with a couple of wing-backs again? I, would, I don't know if I'd like to see that because I think that that's the reason why JJ went with the three-man back because he, he felt that I, I can't sit either Vertonghen or, or Otamendi, so I got to find a spot for Verissim. And that's the reason why we went to a three-man. JJ never played with a, with no, a three-man he, system. He didn't, but JJ also didn't have a midfield. That's where true. I think, where I think, if we play with a, a three-man backfield with, you know, let's say Bar and Grimaldo, then you have Florentino and Enzo, and then whoever the hell you want up top. I think you could have a team that could do some heavy damage. Yeah. Now you got to think that uh, Jean Vitor's, if whatever it was an ankle sprain, you you'd assume that we haven't heard any any different. Uh, you have to think that should be close to yeah. being on the field or in practice pitch. Yeah, I just Barron's don't know asking. anything about him. I, I honestly have no idea who he is. I've as seen a him. A, I've seen him a couple times, man. Uh, quick little player, not little, but quick player. Um, he's got he's got some feet, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it, it there's a huge transition, especially for a center back. From Portugal to uh, from Brazil to Portugal, I should say, because of the speed of the the game is is much different, and even in tactical aspect, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you have to do that you probably you wasn't doing in Brazil. But 
I think everybody was encouraged. Uh, the little that I saw from him, I was encouraged too. Till he got, till he got hurt. So, what else is out there, Dave? Uh, Bruno uh, says, "Would we give up on Ricardo Horta already?" I'm, I'm tired of these novellas. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we've, we've been vocal enough in, in the podcast about Ricardo Horta uh, in terms of how long this has dragged on and and the, the numbers associated to to the move um the delays but, between braga and uh is it malaga yeah so so now apparently is malaga is the one that's uh that's delaying it they want more money i i, I don't that's I what think happens they own like 60 some percent of yeah yeah and there's uh, of, there's another group of investors that yeah. own some of his past it, it's so convoluted man it's just i don't know um, I think that um, th- most likely there was a commitment by Rui Costa to uh, Horta to, to bring him, I think. And, and that's why I think Benfica has, has stayed with it as much as they have, uh, because there's that commitment by Benfica to, to Horta. But, I mean, think about, you know, what everything that's transpired, right? He, uh, he said goodbye to his fans at the Pedreira. Right, the next weekend he's not gone. He's playing against Family Game, right? and then they're going to be going back there this and then, weekend. And then this weekend he's back at his at the Pedreira, right? So still, yeah. still there. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, he's been, he's been nothing but, uh, but good about it because it, you know if there was other guys he'd probably rock in the boat at the club, uh, but I think the fact Refusing that to play. Yeah, he has. He has. Maybe that's the, what it's got to come down to, though. No, but look, I, I think that. Uh, but if it's Malaga, it's got nothing to do with Braga. Yeah, but then, I, right? I think it, it it speaks to about uh, who Orta is to to Braga and the significance that he has to the club and and what he what he feels that he's indebted to that club, right? Because that club did give him his his professional career. He's made his professional career at at that club basically being the captain also so i think look he's he's being a he's being a professional about about it you know he's not regardless of who's at fault he's not the one guy that's throwing the tantrum saying i don't want to play not showing up for training sessions he's a consummate professional that's showing up to training sessions and he's 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 there he's there to give his con- mm-hmm. contribute until he's, he's no longer there uh but i think that it's, it's dragged on way too long for um a player that is not at a level that would warrant this type of effort but i do understand that then when there's there's third parties involved and there's a lot of hands in the pot uh all those hands need to get greased i do get it says it the silva in the chat is saying the problem is braga Oh, Braga wants 15 million and then the rest needs to be paid by benfica so that malaga gets uh, what they want, so it would end up costing around twenty-seven million to Benfica. Yeah, I, I mean, I I like Orta. I would I wouldn't mind seeing him here um, for the price of the fifteen million plus the two players. It's not. I think it's a little high, but then again, I mean, you're getting rid of some dead weight, which don't want to say that too loud so Cristiano doesn't hear me where he is talking about his cousin. Uh, or his Vizinho, whatever he is <laughs> over there. Um, but I I would like to see a guy that 
would come in here with his type of passion for the club. You know, yeah. a guy who you know is going to give his all. He's going to bleed for the shirt. Guys that we've been begging for over the last couple of years, you know, since others have left or retired. Um, I would like to see him. I just want this done and over with. Get this guy. If, if he's coming, get this guy over here so we can play. If he's not, then, you know, cut it. Go get somebody else because we clearly need somebody over there so that I don't have to put up a Juan Mario every game. Yeah, I also think that he's going to fit like a glove in the system, man. Bifika needs oh. a guy mm-hmm. that could play the multiple positions within that front three. You just and he could play out wide. He could play underneath. Him and Hoffa yeah, that whole that whole oh. car- carousel, man. Mm-hmm. Neres, Rafa, oh, and Orta. Then Grimaldo switching one side to the other. Yeah, oh. now it's uh, you know I hope they they get that done that done quick, man, because this is this is ridiculous. So. Anyway, that is all we got. Dave, you got anything else? We could say goodbye. We'll see you next week. No, see you next week. Actually, uh, while we were on our break, I was at a uh, soccer game here uh, in town, and uh, somebody turned around who was sitting in front of me, and they said, are you Dave from the uh, Benfica podcast? So uh, shout out uh, to that, Freddie. Sorry, I forgot his uh, his name, but uh, getting a Shout out! Hey, well, he'll he'll know uh, who he is. Uh, oh, you don't you don't want to blow up his spot. That's what it is. That's uh, maybe he wasn't supposed to be at the game. All right? Did he, did he at least so, buy you a beer, Dave? No, he did not. Damn it! But it's okay. At nah, least we uh, got nice. some listeners there. It's always nice, man, when when people uh, say hello and and are appreciative of of everything that we do, and we're appreciative of you. So anyway, that's all we got. Timo, thank you so much for for joining us and filling in for Cristiano. I know that uh, those those shoes are not hard; they're not easy to fill. <laughs> too small for me. <laughs> That's right. But you did it. You did a good job, man. And you didn't you didn't piss people off in the in the in the comments or in nope. the chat. It's always there anytime you guys need. You know that I appreciate coming on and talking Absolutely, some footy with you guys, especially Benfica. Um, so anytime you need it, I'm here. Absolutely, Dave. Always a pleasure. Uh, next week we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back on uh, Wednesday since Benfica plays on Wednesday next week, right? Is that right, Dave? This Tuesday. Dave. We're playing oh, on Benfica. Tuesday. Oh, so we'll be back on Tuesday. Take care, everyone. Dave, always nice. Timo, take care, brother.